Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, it's four minutes to one o'clock in the morning. I'm still in the BBC studios with the vacuum cleaners all around, uh, clearing up after a day's work for most people and uh, night shifts having been and gone for us. We've just had uh, Cameron Norrie win through in straight sets and I'm now waiting to interview him via a Zoom link uh, with him in New York. It's all a bit weird, isn't it, the fact that this is happening and... uh, uh, Catherine Whittaker's already presented a day's tennis for and Prime. She's at home. Matt's in the caravan, uh, or also known as the trailer for our American audience. Uh, how, how are you both doing, Catherine? Yeah, I'm. I'm all right. I'm. I'm yeah. Um, when you say it's all all a bit weird, I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what aspect in particular? To life, really. life, life. Yes, sure. Yeah. All encompassing. Thought I'd go with life. life. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It is weird. Yeah. How you doing, Matt? I'm okay, thanks, David. You mentioned Zoom. It's day three, and it and I finally figured out how to work the main press conference room video. I don't know what to call it. Video thing that they have. It isn't Zoom. It's something else, and it's taken me absolutely ages to figure out how it works. But I have now nailed it, and I've asked Alexander Zverev a question via it. So we're up and running, Ooh, finally. Right, what was your- Talk about going in at the deep end, Matt. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he won, so I, I figured that it was safe ground. Um, what I asked him is how he's finding the bubble, basically, because what he said in Australia is that he thought he improved on his Grand Slam performance because he took the Grand Slam less seriously, basically, and that he was going out for dinner, hanging out with friends, something he'd never done before at a slam. And I just wondered how he's managing to kind of replicate that relaxed mindset in a bubble when there's nothing else to do besides think about tennis. Um, Obviously, he started this tournament pretty well with a couple of wins. And he basically said that he's not made any kind of adjustment because it's impossible to make an adjustment because the only thing he can do is think about tennis in this environment. So he's having to go back to kind of embracing that element of it again. Um, that is such an important part of this tournament, how players are dealing 
with the bubble. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about the story involving the players who are kind of in the bubble within the bubble and how and their sort of mixed fortunes in this tournament. Kiki Mladenovic had lots of things to say today, but it's a big, big part of this tournament. And the, the four players who reached the Cincinnati finals are all in private housing. And that is kind of one of those elements, which is such an advantage, I think, for those players at the moment. Yeah, it, do, it does worry me a little bit that the the players, some of them may have a, be a bit damaged by this, at least temporarily, because it isn't normal circumstances. And, and to to hear some of the, the words that Kiki Mladenovic uttered today, I, I, I know she suffered a horrendous loss, which, which we'll talk about. But, I mean... It, I don't know. I don't know how I'd cope with it, Catherine, personally, if, if it were me. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a different kind of test altogether. But I think the thing is that we are all coping with it. We're all working in extremely bizarre and, and strained and, and um, unideal environments, aren't we? I mean, you're in a you're in a sort of you're in a strictly come dancing boardroom in Salford, David. <laughs> Everyone's got their that own COVID challenges going on. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there are massive cardboard cutouts of the stars, <laughs> the hosts uh, sitting next to us in their sequined outfits, and uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm sitting in a, stu- a massive studio right now. There is just me and cleaners. And there's normally hundreds of people in this place. And it does feel like a dystopian um, kind of scene from a movie. Yeah, I mean, you're... you're Everyone's got their own reason why this period of time is is a struggle and is is difficult. And, you know, there are are bizarre compromises and adjustments to, to... TV presenting in studio at the moment. You know, none none of this is ideal. You, you, I know you would normally be away from your family, David, for the US Open for for a Grand Slam. But I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I reckon it's pretty different being away from your family to cover a Grand Slam when you're there and you've got the buzz of it and you've got the adrenaline. But to be away from them, to be in a boardroom in in Salford, you know, everybody's making compromises here. And it's not, I, mm. I'm torn between, I want to be, I, I am sympathetic. That doesn't mean, just because everybody's doing it, doesn't mean it's not hard. It's not a lack of sympathy. It's more a lack of particular sympathy for tennis players' situation and dealing dealing with it. Mm. Let's just talk about those two players that we've just talked about results-wise, first of all. Alexander Zverev won through in the end, I think in four sets, wasn't it, against Brandon Nakashima. Very talented 19-year-old American. But, the, you know, this was not walk-in-the-park stuff for, for Zverev. For the second match in a row, he's had tight sets. He's lost one in each of them, and including, I think, a 10-8 second set tie-break. Matt, did you, did you see much of that? Yeah, I saw most of the match. It feels different though I would say to the previous times he's dropped sets in slams I'm not saying Zverev's looking brilliant but he's but in the past he's dropped sets where you're thinking why is he dropping sets well he's played Kevin Anderson and Brandon Nakashima and I actually think a couple of four set victories is a pretty good return there he's playing all right Zverev Nakashima is um well, in Zverev's words, a very different player to a lot of American players. He kind of had a little a little troll of the American players because uh, the 
he was asked by a journalist what he made of uh, Nakashima's backhand because it's, it's, it is his signature shot. And Zverev said, yeah, it's very good for an American. <laughs> oh, that is... What's that mean? That is a David Law-esque faint praise. Explain. Uh, well, I was listening to you uh, on the radio earlier, David. Very enjoyable it was too. And uh, you were being asked about Federico Correa uh, and about his similarities to older brother Guillermo. And yes, by the way, this is a correction on what I said the other night about them not being related to one another. Turns out they're brothers. They're about 400 years apart in age, but they're brothers. Um, so many apologies for for everyone I led astray a couple of nights ago. Anyway, you were being asked about uh, similarities between Federico Correa and elder, more successful brother Guillermo. And uh, you said, well, he's not, he's not, he's not a player of the same class as Guillermo Correa. But he is a player that's in the draw. All correct. All factual. Stand by it all. <laughs> I don't think there's ever uh, been fainter praise than that. It's, it's, it was amazing. And he lost in straight sets today, so he's not in the draw anymore. So he's not even there. <laughs> he's um, not. The so, one thing he had, he doesn't have anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and oh my word, he had a, he had a tough old time today. He, he managed to forge 14 breakpoint chances and he took one which is not a good percentage. Uh, and Cameron Norrie beat him in straight sets, and that's who I'm about to speak to in a few minutes because he's into the third round of a uh, of a Grand Slam for the first time in his career as the British player. Um, so so Kikim Ladenovic, let's just tell the story of her day because she was flying. She was 6-1, 5-1 up against Vavara Gretsheva, I think it is. And... At that point, we got a message on our group chat from Catherine saying, watch out for Kikli Ladenovic or something of that ilk. I think as I was typing that message, I was also writing her name on the draw sheet <laughs> into my third round because I did do that. <laughs> At match, Brilliant. When she was three match points up, 6-1-5-1, yeah. I, I wrote her name in. Yeah, and they did cross to me to just give a little bit of commentary about this match. And 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 actually the words uttered during that were, I tell you what, why don't we go to another match? Because this one's just a walk in the park. And uh, so then Vavara Gretsheva mounted the comeback of all comebacks to win the second set on a tie break and then to win the final set, I think, six love, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. It was. I mean... That's that's ouch territory, isn't it? Um, Mladenovic then came into the press conference afterwards and was asked about the week she's had. If you haven't followed this, she was one of the players that was in fairly close contact with Benoit Paire, who was kicked out of the tournament after testing positive for COVID-19. And uh, Mladenovic was then placed in a bubble within the bubble. Uh, something like that, uh, because she played cards with uh, Benoit Paire and a bunch of other players who were also placed in the bubble within the bubble. Uh, and she described the scene as abominable. She said, it's abominable how they have made us live. I am looking forward to regaining my freedom. They have made us feel like prisoners. It's definitely the most painful loss I've had in my career. I collapsed physically and mentally. I'm completely drained. Uh, and she says, I would just like to thank the USTA for this unreal experience. <laughs> 
<laughs> so she's not at all bitter. <laughs> oh, Catherine, do you sympathise? Um, I should point out that those quotes were from a translation from French. And while I think it's an accurate translation, the only word I would query is abominable, which is from abom- is from the literal equivalent in French, but it just has a slightly different sense in, in French. But anyway, I mean, it's I think it's a pretty accurate reflection of Mladenovic's state of mind today. I am sympathetic with the fact that I'm sure the last few days have been really difficult for her. I don't doubt that at all. Really, I would find it difficult. I I sympathise with that. I think there's a couple of things I I don't necessarily sympathise with. The conflating of of that difficulty with her losing from four match points up. I don't, you know, it. She she was overcoming that difficulty just fine at six six one five one and four match points up. So, you know, but I understand that heat of the moment. She came to press very quickly. It was a very well attended press conference because everybody was aware of the backstory and everybody is also aware that Kiki Mladenovic is is a bear worth poking for a quote. Um, <laughs> and I don't think it took a whole lot of poking today, but she was being she was she was being prodded. Um, but I also think the point that that we've made a number of times in the hypothetical, I think when we were looking ahead to the US Open about the balance between sort of corporate responsibility and personal responsibility, she chose to attend what sounds like sort of 30 player card games with a bunch of, you know, all the other, all these other French speaking players. Um, I, I wouldn't have been doing that in, in, in this bubble, knowing what I know about this pandemic pandemic and the nature of COVID-19, I certainly wouldn't have been doing that with somebody who just days before had showed symptoms which are um, commensurate with the list which are um, indicative of COVID-19, which as far as I'm concerned, looking back on that match that Benoit Paire retired from, that was the case. You know, I'm I'm checking before I see people whether they've got any kind of COVID-19-esque symptoms. So I do think, you know, she she took that, she takes a certain amount of responsibility for her own decisions that got her to that place. And actually, you know, <laughs> she's clearly unhappy with the USDA, but they actually relaxed their protocol in order to allow her to play strictly according to the protocol as one of those players that was contact traced, the original protocol that was in place, she should have been removed from the draw and she was allowed to play and they created this bubble within a bubble or controlled environment. So I'm sympathetic with the fact that she's had a difficult time. I'm I'm not necessarily sympathetic with her thinking that a difficult time is wrong or unjust. Hmm. The the big story on the court today was one that involved her former doubles partner, Caroline Garcia, who has knocked out the top seed, Karolina Pliskova, in straight sets in the end, two very, very different sets. I mean, I, I was just sort of watching the scores flash by, and when Garcia was, I think, fall of up in the first set, ended up winning the first set 6-1, and then was leading the second set 4-3 with a break, 
at which point we joined it for commentary on, on Five Live and suddenly t- Karolina Pliskova turned into the best player in the world, the top seed that she is, for about 10 minutes. And she just hit an incredible r- rash of winners to move up 6-5. She had two set points of her own in that second set. And then she fell apart again and Caroline Garcia started to play really well. Um, Garcia, incidentally, just a player who has a forehand I love to watch because I love to try to predict whether her forehands in flight are going to land in or not because they have so much late topspin on them that makes the ball just sort of drop like a stone at the last second. And so many times I've called a ball out in commentary and then it's turned out it's gone in. Um, But, you know, she's had a terrible time of things, really. She's 50 in the world, which is an absurd ranking for somebody of her ability. She's been four in the world in the past. But... As much as being sort of uplifted by the tennis of Caroline Garcia, I find myself yet again disappointed with Karolina Pliskova, who has not lived up to her top seed billing whatsoever. Did either of you watch that match? Yeah, I watched it, and like you, I was I was left bemused really by Karolina Pliskova. I cannot understand her regression in in Grand Slams compared to her tour form. This is this is not a new thing with her. She's not been beyond round four in a slam in any of her last five appearances. Um, obviously, Caroline Garcia is a very dangerous player on her day, and yet she herself had only ever had one top 20 win at a slam. So this was a match that as you said, David, when Pliskova was playing well, it was on her racket. She was she had the game to beat Caroline Garcia. I asked Carolina Pliskova in Australia to try and explain her Grand Slam record, and she gave this really confusing answer about the fact that a Grand Slam means having to play more matches, which I would kind of understand if she was getting to the latter stages of a slam. <laughs> But she's not. She's bombing out early in these slams. So I don't understand how the sort of quantity of matches is the issue. Um, she was really quite chippy and annoyed in, in her press conference. I mean, the framing of a couple of the questions, I could kind of understand why she was a bit annoyed. But that was a different Carolina Pliskova today compared to the one in Australia in terms of her reaction post-match. She was She was kind of dead behind the eyes in Australia. There was no emotion at all when she'd lost. Today, she was clearly frustrated. And um, maybe maybe that's a small good sign that it is bothering her. But I don't know. It's it's an unfathomable record when you consider how, how good she is outside the slams and the, the tennis she's, she is capable of producing. Hmm. I mean, there's definitely a... I, I no longer think she will win a slam. I'd be surprised if she she reaches more Grand Slam finals, frankly, and that is that really oughtn't to be the case with her level of ability. As as I as you kind of made the point there, Matt, that that rash of winners that she hit, David, that only kind of proved the point of how ridiculous it was that she was losing yet again at that stage of a Slam. The fact that she she did show us all that she can do it, it was like also. Oh, so why aren't you doing that then all the time? Well, it is on, as you said, it is on your racket. Why aren't you making the most of that and deploying? Ah, it's 
it's a strange I mean two days ago I was saying that I find Caroline Garcia inexplicable and the fact that she isn't doing better and performing better so you know I now am less confused by Caroline Garcia <laughs> and more confused there's some scar tissue there now there, there mm. is mental scar tissue I think for Pliskova in particular at Grand Slam tournaments because she's still producing I mean the fact that she's top seed here given that she's kind of underperforming at Grand Slams says everything. She's She's got the tennis in her to win tournaments, but players raise their game at slams. She regresses at the moment. And this let's not forget this is a player who beat Venus and Serena back-to-back to reach the US Open final um, and then ended up losing a close match to Angelique Kerber a few years ago. I, I, I'm with you, Catherine. I don't. I don't see her winning a, winning a slam. Uh, may, maybe she will get get to a final, but I have my doubts. Um, and uh, you know, I, I hope that's wrong because when she plays well, she's she's great to watch. But I, d- I think there's the, there's so many players coming up now who who are going to make life difficult for her. This is a slam without loads of players in it. Loads of people who've pulled out. And oh, it's. It's a massive opportunity missed for Karolina Pliskova, huge. Um, and just uh, just on the subject of Caroline Garcia and her forehand, I think, David, you're going to enjoy her next match against Jennifer Brady because Brady has quite a similar forehand and they're, yes, that's they're, right. they're forehands that are unusual on on in women's tennis in that they do have that wristy spin. And as you very artfully described, that just surprising you by plopping in at the last minute and um yeah they're probably the two forehands on the women's tour that most meet that description i think it's going to be good fun mm. it's good good section of the draw that isn't it in terms of the, there's a lot of there are a lot of good competitive matchups like that with players that could make a breakthrough that perhaps haven't yet and then of course there's angelique kerber <laughs> who i've said is going to reach the final yeah, she was she was good today. And Annalena Friedson, by the way, is a is a great player. If she can I don't know, put some cherries on some cakes, she's great to watch. That was a fantastic mm. match, actually, Kerber against Friedson. That's where we started our coverage on Prime today. And I think it was probably the the highest quality match that I'd that I'd yeah, that that I'd watched up to that stage. Yeah, she crunches the ball, Friedson. She just needs to slightly channel that a little bit better but i actually mm. think i actually think playing kerber was a channeling kind of force for her because kerber was just getting everything back but she kind of gave freed some that rhythm that she needed and it and it turned into this as you said a brilliant clash of styles and really high quality and i have to say david kerber is uh I, I don't quite know how you knew that Kerber was going to be looking like this, considering she hadn't played a match, not even since lockdown, since the Australian Open. She hadn't even played in that little period before the lockdown. She hadn't played for months, and yet she's looking really, really good. I guess there was no reason... Like It was it was a tricky one. There was no reason to think she would do well because she had no form, but there was also no reason to think she would do badly either. It's a strange one because she didn't withdraw from the Western and Southern Open. She just didn't enter. I think she's the only player playing the US Open that that could have played the Western and Southern Open, you know, was eligible on ranking and everything, just didn't enter. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know the reasons reason behind that decision. I would caution you, David, 
to not shout too loud about your smugness over your Angelique Kerber prediction because I do think one of the things, one of the contributing factors to her success is being able to fly under the radar and what you mean do it on her own me, time me, and. Me... <laughs> You think me bigging her up is going to impact her <laughs> radar? I know level. how I know how loudly you can be smug. <laughs> Just got the seven years of experience in that. It's also an even uh, year, of seven, course. Seven, uh, more than that. And Kerber only only yeah. performs in even years. We should have seen it, Matt. Mm. Well, skills, Matt. That's that's the reason that I went for it. Alexandra Sasevich, like... though, she's happening. Yeah, I know because I predicted she would win in yeah, the daily newsletter that. that you can all be subscribing yeah. to. You were piggybacking why? on our prediction and getting yeah, early points. Yeah, why did you allow that? No, that's just smart, isn't it? I just you know I've 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 absorbed your <laughs> your thoughts and reasons for them, and I've and mm. I've just displayed them in my predictions in the dailies uh, in the newsletter which you which you can all get i mean I, I may as well gloat now because we've had three days and it's the only one i've got right so far so um anyway last yeah, she, time she i absorbed your Drusper, thoughts yeah? i had medvedev winning the australian open so <laughs> mm, yeah so did i <laughs> exactly uh, well it was a bit, didn't she win pretty comfortably today Sasnovich? Well, she destroyed oh, yes. marketa vondrosheva oh, yes. mm. Yeah. Since being match point down in the first round, she's won 18 of 21 games. Six love, six one, six two. Her next three sets. Blimey. Do you remember Kerber won a slam from a, a match point down in the first round? Was Niaki yeah. won a slam from match point down, I think, in the second round? I mean, unfortunately, I didn't predict Sasnovich to win, win the slam, but... Um, but I, <laughs> you but got I, her in the quarterfinals. I support though, right? her up until the quarterfinal stage. Yeah. So that's what it's come to, folks. Where all we care about is our predictions <laughs> and our bragging rights against one another. Um, so, yes, the, the I was just going to say one of the things I love about tennis. I'm sure it's the case in lots of sports, but these sudden swings of momentum in a player's fortunes from what was it Kerber was it Kerber who lost it was match point down against Masaki mm-hmm. Doi or was mm-hmm. that yep. was that, that was... And, and it was three sets and seven six and a third and then suddenly she goes and wins the tournament you know yes it's I just love the way the way it can suddenly can't start happening and you don't you don't know when it's going to start happening for you Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. 
but if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Um, just on the subject of the best tennis that you've seen in the tournament so far. The best tennis I've seen in the t- tournament so far on the men's side was the first set of Novak Djokovic against Kyle Edmund, which I which I think kind of gets forgotten because the rest of it was a, a bit of a non-event. But the first set was an hour, and it was high-octane hitting from both players. Djokovic moving and hitting. Edmund playing some of the most clever tennis that I've seen from him strategically but also brutally with his forehand and he ended up winning the set on on a tiebreak I thought it was an absolutely brilliant set of tennis but uh, but it kind of feels a bit lost because he lost the next three quite meekly it was I agree it was it was it, it was one of the only matches on one of the big show courts where I have had moments of of forgetting about the the lack of crowd I've been absorbed enough that it hasn't been sort of overly present in my mind I find that a lot less of a problem on the smaller courts but I'm still struggling with it a bit on Louis Armstrong and Arthur Ashe and I think it's a great shame by the way that that grandstand isn't in use during the tournament because I think actually that worked really well um, last week and not Cincinnati because it still feels like an event court but it just somehow doesn't emphasise as much as with the those two big cavernous cavernous courts the uh, the lack of crowd but anyway yeah it was it was really thrilling that that first set and and the fact that Kyle Edmund won a tie break against Novak Djokovic first player to do that since 2019 Wimbledon Matt since uh, since Dominic team at the O2 but sort of ah. but sort of Djokovic's incredible tie break run does stretch back to Wimbledon last year I think he's now won well he had won 18 of 19 going into today and Edmund has has kind of broken that run the first time Djokovic has lost one this year for sure and uh, you know Kyle Edmund was puffing out his chest a bit and he had a a touch of swagger in his walk and just looked like he really had a, a, a game plan you know I could sort of picture him and Franco Devine sitting down before the match at, at a social distance um, and as you say, it was it was a smart set of tennis from Kyle Edmund, and he was making felt like he was making Djokovic overthink it a bit. He was hitting an awful lot of dodgy drop shots, Novak Djokovic. Um, so while I agree with, I do agree with you. Uh, I'm going to sort of turn it into a negative now. The fact that that was so good makes it all the more disappointing that what followed was not good and actually quite weird in parts what was your sense David I think you watched this most closely in in terms of what 
did happen in that match? Was it was it just both players' form disappearing? I mean, especially Kyle Edmund, or or was it more physical in a way? I do think there was a physical element. I mean, Edmund in the second set, I commentated the first set and and ended it. You know, I departed that set of tennis and and Russell Fuller, my colleague, took over commentary for set two. And I I had to go and have a sugar rush. I had to go and eat stuff because I was so, so drained having described this incredibly intense set of tennis. Um, But... The second set, by the time I came back 10 minutes later, it was 4-1 Djokovic, and, and Edmund had had to stop the match, it seemed, in, because he'd run out of kit. He'd sweated the way through all of his changes of shirts and shorts and shoes. All of his shoes were sodden, and patches of sweat were having to be mopped up with towels by the ball kids, which I have to say, that doesn't seem quite right, given the fact that they're not allowed to handle towels at mm. the moment. Um and and I think I don't know. I think that that really bothered Edmund that that was happening. He I think he's a player who likes order. He likes things to be as he expects them to be, so that he doesn't have to worry about any any extracurricular uh, issues. That he can just get on with hitting tennis balls like he hates them. And that's what he did for an hour in the first set. It worked. He played a really smart match. I do think he started to struggle physically, emotionally. He started to panic a bit some of this is because he's playing the best player in the world who just covers the court so absurdly the amount you have to do to win sets of tennis against Novak Djokovic would strain anybody but I do think it has become and I didn't hear hear Edmund's press comments afterwards but if you look at there's enough history there's enough data now in his record to think that there's a problem with with his ability in big Grand Slam matches to last the pace. He was two sets up against Fernando Vadasco at Wimbledon, and he faded pretty horribly and, and wasn't competitive at the end. He was a set up against Djokovic at Wimbledon the year before that, and he lost in four. And there's this record of him being two sets down and never having won a set when he is two sets down. It's it's a problem, and I don't I, I don't see a sign of it having been overcome. No, and and when he when he went four one down, when he lost his serve at the start of the second set, I had this just let down feeling of sense of inevitability, like it's probably over now. And even more problematic, I felt like Kyle Edmund was thinking that too. His body language deflated so palpably. You know, Greg Rozeski was saying on on our coverage at the end of the show today, he's just got to have a better poker face. He's got to fake it till he makes it. You know, he he said Kyle Edmund needs his own Henman fist pump, (laughs) even if it's disingenuous and not at all reflective of how you're feeling and you feel a total idiot doing it. Like, you know, like Kevin Anderson, when he got to the, the US Open final with his saying commit rather than come on. We were all laughing at him for that. I mean, it still sounds ridiculous, but it got him to a US Open final. I feel like he needs some kind of cheat codes to override his system, which is failing him at the moment. It, it is weird, though, that that sense that Edmund can't last the course in these matches. By all accounts, he's a tremendously hard worker. And I think at the start of his career, he really kind of prided himself on on that kind of physical fitness. When he got to the Australian Open semi-finals, he came through some really gruelling matches. But I mean, it, 
it is definitely a problem and i'm i'm just really fascinated whether it is just purely kind of just fitness related i mean we we've been talking to mary carillo in the past few weeks and she's been saying that fitness can be a weapon for you i just think if you know he he had to play such a high level of tennis against djokovic in that first set and that's what the that's what the best players do they force you to play well for so long but if you can't sort of match them for tennis for for so long you've you've at least got to be able to try and match them physically for a long time and Kyle Edmund at the moment just doesn't really seem capable of doing that and I can't quite put my finger on why it is yeah um no I I don't I, th- I think he works hard enough certainly I think I think but I I mean, I, I really can't put my finger on it, on it either. And I've tried to ask him in the past. And like I say, I haven't heard his press conference tonight. But he, he has tended to turn to, I need to work harder. I need to get fitter. Um, but look, also it has to be tempered in this instance by the fact that he was playing the world number one. And Djokovic, I, I did quite enjoy the way Djokovic brought out the animal late on it was it was like the way murray did you know he 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 just started roaring to an empty stadium he was ratty at certain points in the match but i do quite like it when he just doesn't care and and just sort of looks makes eye contact with goran who really can relate to all of that i think and uh, and just lets it out um and and you know yeah, he 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 played well in the end or at least well enough i mean the the the, the quality just it wasn't great from either one, but it was perfectly, perfectly comfortable enough in the end for Djokovic. Goran was terrifying throughout that match. I felt like every time Djokovic hit a slightly dodgy drop shot and the camera cut to Goran, he was, you know, plotting his torture techniques for post-match. <laughs> That's what his eyes were saying to me. It was disturbing. <laughs> yes. Um but uh, anyway, into round three, and now Djokovic will play against Jan Leonard Struff, who I think he he, he dusted he pretty comfortably m- the other week. Mangled him. him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he did. He didn't. He did a bit of a feather actually on the, the on-court interview when he was asked about that. He sort of said, "Yeah, I played him last week, and I won easily, and I definitely backed myself to win that." <laughs> and uh, why wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, well, tonight we've just had a very straightforward straight sets win for Naomi Osaka over Camilla Georgie, 6-1, 6-2, um, which bodes well for her, doesn't it, mm. with, a, with that hamstring injury that she'd had. Um, she had strapping on the leg tonight, which I don't think she had in the previous match, but it was a really good matchup for her. It's basically just a hitting contest, and I am backing Osaka in... Pretty much all of those, I think. Yeah, she was great, and she's also yeah. she's also wearing a kit, which really reminded me of the 2017 Pharrell range, and I I thought it was I, oh. I thought it was great. Yeah, good, great range. Excellent. Uh, the eleventh seed Elena Rybakina has gone, beaten by Shelby Rogers, who oh, was the player who, who knocked out. Um, who could have predicted that? Is that what you went for? Is it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, Rogers beat Serena Williams the other week, didn't she? Um, so, yeah, we've got a gloating Catherine Whitaker. How wonderful. Um, and uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina is the opponent of Cameron Norrie in uh, round three. 
who beat Hubert Herkatch uh, today. That's a bit of a surprise. So the 24th seat has gone. Uh, shall we have a little look about what's going on tomorrow before I have to go and speak to Cameron Norrie? David uh, reads through it, the it, order it, of play. We should do a jing- jingle <laughs> for this bit. This is going to be very quick, folks. Uh, Leila Fernandez, who incidentally uh, is somebody I'm looking at a possible uh, newsletter prediction win for over Sophia Kennan, but I haven't made my mind up yet. So find out in the newsletter tomorrow, folks, whether I go for Great that or not. Teaser, Dominic David. Team is after she that. She played a lot of doubles yeah. today, Kennan. She's partnering Azarenka in the doubles, really? uh, which is a cool combo. They won, but they were on court for a long time. Okay, uh, and then it's Dominic Team who's on after that. Uh, Serena Williams will, will against he be Margarita wearing a shirt? Gasparian. Will Dominic Team wear right. a shirt for that he match? He just does I, it. Doesn't seem draped to over his drapes over his balcony without a shirt, looking like he's on holiday, doesn't he? Constantly. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so Serena Williams against Margarita Gasparian, followed by Felix Auger Aliassim against Andy Murray night session match two in the morning uk time um the word is that he wants as much time (laughs) to recover as possible i think isn't it yes we understand that he requested that slot which is entirely understandable and and no great surprise not brilliant for for british viewers and listeners but podcasters i think and podcasters yeah yeah goodness knows (laughs) when we're going to be recording tomorrow night yeah Uh, and um, who, who's going to win that? Oh, David. Um, what? Murray? Yeah, tentatively saying Murray. Yeah. Felix Auger-Aliassime hasn't had a Grand Slam moment yet, I don't think. And this would be one night session beating Andy Murray. But I don't know. I think I think Murray might get it done. Yeah. I think I'm going to go for Felix. Um, so there we are. Uh, Arena Sabalenka against Victoria Azarenka. That's a good match, isn't it? On uh, yes. the Louis Armstrong. I think I'm court. going for and Azarenka there. You didn't even ask me for a prediction. Mm. Move on. Yeah, I think I am as well. Um, so yeah, there we are. Uh, and then we've got uh, two British players uh, Joe Conta against Serena Castella, second on on court five, followed by Dan Evans against Corentin Mute of france so that's your order of play highlights for tomorrow very much hoping that conta costea is not as dramatic as one of their previous matches which was obviously in the fed cup when Ili nastasi kicked off and got thrown out of the tie and i think costea accused conta of gamesmanship in that match it was a very, it was an all-around ugly incident so hopefully oh gosh no yes mm. I mean, there won't be a repeat Very because awkward. Nastasi's not there, so it, it should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, then. Right. Time for bed, is it, folks? I think so. David, I think you're going to go and interview Cameron Norrie, and I'm going to um, read something lovely about our US Open mascot, Zeus. How does that sound? Okay, then. Well, you do that, and I'll go and speak to Cameron Norrie. See you tomorrow, folks. <laughs> yes, because our... Uh, bye, bye, David. Off he goes. Um, I say hello to Cam. Um, our US Open mascot is a lovely, he's a German Shepherd. Is he a German Shepherd or a German Shepherd cross, Matt? I think I've put you, why am I asking you dog dog breed questions? I think he's a German Shepherd. I think you're right. Um, 
he's beautiful anyway. He's absolutely beautiful. Um, a real majestic, um, regal looking dog. Um, and uh, his owner is Nicholas, who has uh, backed us in our Kickstarter. And he's sent us the following to paint a picture of uh, lovely Zeus. He describes him as a fighter from the very beginning. Zeus has proved himself to be more than just a loving family pet. Zeus has been through many unfortunate events like a deadly disease, getting partly run over by a car to stop his sibling running off and almost losing half of his now beautiful and bushy tail. We've always joked around saying that he isn't fully a German shepherd due to his skinny body and cowardly personality. Cowardly is in inverted commas there. But he is he truly is much more. A loving dog who would do anything to save those humans he loves. These words and many more could be used to describe Zeus. My daughter Juana, am I pronouncing that right, Matt? Perfect. Oh, my daughter Juana and I love him unconditionally and the cherry on top. He loves to lie down next to me when I'm enjoying a good Federer and Nadal match. Not this US Open, he doesn't. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> having to find some new favourites. I hope, Nicholas, that Zeus is prepared to lie down next to you when you're watching a match that doesn't feature Federer and Nadal. Um, and no pressure, but we would love some Zeus photos. Um, and it's a great pleasure to have him in our ranks. So thank you, Nicholas, and thank you, Zeus. Hope you're enjoying this US Open. David said he was off to interview Cam Norrie, but I can see he's still... Uh, I mean, we're just we're now just watching David Saturday's laptop. Yeah, we're watching uh, David about to interview Cameron Norrie. I don't think <laughs> he has his earphones in for us because he's not responding to what we're saying. Oh, no, maybe he is. He's just looked at me. No. I don't think he is. No, he's all about Cam right now. This, yeah. is, this is, even for today, this is quite weird. He's probably thinking they're going on a bit, aren't they? Which, the, to be honest, the listeners might be thinking that as well. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and that is my cue to wrap things up, to say thank you. Uh, well, thank you to you all for listening. Thank you to Zeus and Nicholas. Thank you, Matt, for enduring the, I hope now, appropriately heated caravan. Yes, things are much better on that front. Yes. Great. A bit like the US Open video link. It took it took a few <laughs> days to get going. <laughs> <laughs> Teething problems in the brave new world. Right. Well, we will be back tomorrow with our US Open Day 4 daily pod. Hope you're enjoying them and we'll speak to you then. 